0: Jim Andres of Trinity Lutheran Church in Spring Grove, Minnesota, tells of an old cartoon that pictures a preacher at the pulpit and a deacon sitting just behind the preacher with this grumpy expression on his face. The preacher says, So until next Sunday, remember that God loves you, I love you, And Brother Al here is working on it. (laughs) It's hard to be good to do what is right sometimes, isn't it? All of us would agree with Brother Al that some days you just feel a little grumpy. I want to consider those Thessalonians. And so this is the letter from Paul, and this is the second letter, which means apparently that the first letter's instructions didn't stick. So he sent a second letter, and he basically said that there's a group in the church that's decided that their hands have nothing to do, and that that's a really good thing. Their minds are churned with anxieties about, you know, the imminent appearance of Jesus, and so they basically tell Paul, I mean, hey, Jesus is going to come back any day, so we're just going to kind of hang out till he appears. The church is to be a rescue shop at the same time that it is a rest stop. Here at Rosedale, we call the church a mission station where people can come in and come out however short or long that is to find sustenance. But it takes all hands on deck to be able to provide that kind of ministry. And here's this faction in the church in Thessalonians that's decided that they just don't want to do anything. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you can recall the runaway hit movie, Forrest Gump? Oh, yeah. Who was the actor that played Forrest Gump? Tom Hanks. That's right. That's right. You get a sticker. (laughs) So, Forrest Gump has these amazing one-liners that I call Gump-isms. And so see if you can finish this one. Now it's been quite a few years since this movie. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Isn't that true? So there's this one line that Forrest Gump says that reminds me of a scripture passage. And he says that when the body is in motion, the mind can be most at rest. Those of you who jog or run know exactly what that means. Your body is going one direction, right? You're straining, you're sweating, you're getting exhausted, while your mind is going in another direction, relaxing, focusing, cleansing, purifying. You know, Paul is not preaching that Jesus wants us to be goody-two-shoes for the sake of being good. Not at all. He wants us to be about doing good works, being Jesus' hands and feet in the world today. And when we're doing good works, we have to remember that Jesus doesn't want us to do those good works selfishly, not for a motivation to get something back. Jesus simply wants us to do good works because it will help us love him and others more so here were those members that had mistaken the call of jesus when jesus said to go therefore they said we're going to stay put and so paul is really writing to them saying no come on you got to catch the fever you got to get excited about being the hands and feet of jesus until he returns so there was kind of a wrong belief that if they just kind of held out that Jesus would come sooner rather than later. And while they hung out, they thought it was okay if everybody else picked up their slack. And so Paul, who was not one for mincing words at all, gave them a little come to Jesus that invited them to be about his work in the world. You know, they say that the church is a place of rest but it's not just a place to come and sit and rest your head. Sometimes it is, and it's very appropriate, to come into a sanctuary which really lives out that word. When we're out in the world and times are tough, we need sanctuary. We need for Christ to meet us here. We need to be like Mary and sit at his feet. And then there are other times that we come in and Jesus blesses us and sends us out like he's about to do this morning. You know, in this chaotic world, the church often rescues those who are lost. Not us, but Christ in us. Paul isn't preaching that God wants us to do good for the sake of being good, and that when we are good, God doesn't want to use the good that we have done to influence people. I've been going to a lot of leadership conferences in the last few years, and they say that every person is an influence on all those people around them. And so it's really important that we're living the life of being a Christian when we say we believe, because our actions and our words are influencing all those folks around us. And God says to never tire of doing good. When you do good things with a good attitude, you'll naturally start to love yourself. It'll help you love others more. And the passage proclaims the truth that when we allow anxieties to talk us out of resting in him, we kind of lose our way. Paul advised the church to keep working and moving and staying active. For only in activity, so hearkens for us do we find peace. There's an old proverb that goes like this Fear less, hope more eat less, chew more, whine less, breathe more, talk less, say more, hate less, love more, and all good things will be yours. Sometimes we make doing good work complex, or we don't think we're good enough to do good work. And then along comes Mother Teresa, who has such amazing words for us. And today she says, every time you smile at someone, it is an action of love. A gift to that person. A beautiful thing. So perhaps your good work today is when you're walking out there in the world and you pass by a stranger, you offer a smile as a gift. Because of Jesus... You are loved, you are worthy, you are good. Believe it for yourself. Practice saying it like a mantra to call it to memory when you need it. Because of Jesus, I am loved, I am worthy, I am good. When you take this truth to heart, you'll find yourself saying it to someone in your life who needs to hear it most. You will bring that good news right up to them. Enacting the good news of Jesus by simply being present in your hearing, then in your listening, in your caring, and then in your sharing of a conversation. Remember like that grumpy deacon brother Al, your attitude is contagious? Whether your attitude is negative or positive, those around you will catch it at some point, especially in your house. So make sure you're positive, that you're encouraging, open to growing in your faith, and open to growing as a person. And remember what our grandmas all taught us, if you can't say anything nice, then don't say it Amen. And then we need to be bold enough to ask ourselves this question, what attitude am I setting for those around me? What is my attitude when I'm with my family, or when I'm on the job, or I'm at school, or at work? What's my attitude in my friendships? What is my attitude like when I'm doing well through serving others? You know, it's an amazing thing when we strive to be good and to do good things, and then good becomes the motivator. We want more. We want that feeling of doing good. Feeling like we're putting our faith into action. It raises the standards of doing good, invites others to do good too. What happens with our attitude when a problem or an adversity strikes hits us with a force that we didn't see coming? We cannot always control what happens to us. And my, oh my, how we fight against that. However, we can't control our response to what happens in us. And it's okay to go through all those seas of emotions, anger, and then joy, sadness, grief. Sometimes when adversity hits us, we feel like we're kind of swinging on this pendulum of emotion. All we need to do is to know that whatever emotion comes, Jesus walks with us. When we don't have the words to pray, We're part of a praying community that prays for us. You know, expecting the world to treat you fairly, said Harold Kushner. Actually, let me say it better. So Harold Kushner was the one who wrote the book about why bad things happen to good people. And this is his famous quote. Expecting the world to treat you fairly because we are a good person is like expecting a bull not to charge you because you are a vegetarian. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. A story to share. The USS Astoria was the first U.S. cruise ship to engage the Japanese during the Battle of Sabre Island in World War II. It was a night action fought on August 8th into the 9th in 1942. And although the Astoria scored two hits on the Imperial flagship Chicoa, she was badly damaged and sank shortly after noon on August the 9th. About 2 a.m. that morning, a young Midwesterner, signalman, third-class Elgin Staples, was swept overboard by the blast when the Astoria's number one eight-inch gun turret exploded. Wounded in both legs by shrapnel and in semi-shock, Staples was kept afloat by a narrow life belt that he managed to activate with a simple trigger mechanism. At around 6 a.m. that same morning, Signalman 3rd class Elgin Staples was rescued by a passing destroyer and returned to the Astoria, whose captain was attempting to save the cruiser by beaching her. The effort failed. And Staples, still wearing the same life belt, found himself back in the water. Close to noon, Navy Seaman Staples was picked up again, this time by the United States President, President Jackson. He was one of 500 survivors of the battle who were evacuated to Nome. And safely on board the ship for the first time, Staple closely examined the life belt that had served him so well. It turns out it had been manufactured by Firestone Tire and Rubber Company of Akron, Ohio, and it bore a registration number. Given home leave, Staples told his story and asked his mother, who worked for Firestone, about the purpose of the number on the belt. She replied that the company insisted on personal responsibility for the war effort and that each number was unique and assigned to only one inspector. Staples remembered everything about the life belt and quoted the number. As it turned out, it was his mother's personal code affixed to every item she was responsible for approving. So do you suppose that Mrs. Staples was glad that she had done a good job in her work. God has always honored and provided us work. The Christian does best when we can help others through good works. God is a worker. God also appreciates rest. God created, his, created us in his image and gave us work to do. Work is very important part of God's will for people, whether that's volunteer, When Jesus came to earth, God honored work. His birth was first told by working shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And when Jesus came to earth, he learned to trade. He became a carpenter, worked in Joseph's carpenter shop. Jesus chose working men as his disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. The Bible doesn't tell us what Philip or Bartholomew, Thomas, Thaddeus, James, Thomas and Judas did for a living. But we must understand that most likely they too were workers. Jesus called them from their labors to become fishers of men. He gave them a new job. The Christian cannot separate his business from his personal life and from his spiritual life. How we carry our Christian principles into our work is really important. And our work performance becomes our Christian ministry. This gives work new meaning, new dignity. Let's be thankful for the health that we have to do the work. Let's be thankful for whatever job God has called us to at this time in this place. Let's do our work in the best of our abilities, like Staple's mother, and let us never grow weary of doing good works. Hallelujah. Amen.